It's the Get Off My Lawn podcast for the week of October 18th, 2015. On tonight's program, we'll hear Wrench from Gangster Grass say, For me to bring in hip-hop beats and rappers is like a, a crime against nature for some people. And Bill Sheff tells us about his vinyl fetish. Hey, you know what? That Taylor Swift, she had a pretty good voice. You know, I don't like all the nonsense, but <laughs> she had a pretty good voice. This podcast is sponsored by Hydrogen Dioxide. Try some today and breathe easier. I'm your announcer, Craig, and here's your genial host, Kevin. Thank you for that introduction, Craig. This is Kevin. How's it going, Craig? It's going great. Excellent. You know, there have been a lot of emails, a lot of responses, but the number one most requested thing, you want to know what it is? What's that? More you. Seriously? Yes, because you didn't do the last two sort of banter bits with me because of scheduling things. You were on a trip. I was on a trip. We were trying to make things happen. And it's like everybody was like, where's where's Craig? Where's the person that actually has vocal talent? <laughs> well, that's very nice of everyone. <laughs> so, so for all of those of you that are you know care, he's here. He's right here. He's feet away from me. I could reach out and touch him. I won't because he's a happily married man. That's right. But I could. That's all that matters. Once again, we are without somebody to sponsor us. That is just so sad. I know. You know what? I just thought of this. Just to keep recording, because I have our non-sponsor. If you caught the previous podcast, uh, we did not get sponsored by Spirit Airlines because they suck. Here I... is our latest non-sponsor. This is Special K's Chocolate Strawberry Cereal. Have you tried this? I have not. It is like eating sandpaper soaked in milk. Ooh. There is no taste to it. You would think with chocolate and strawberry... There'd be some sort of taste. There'd be some reason to enjoy this cereal. Wow. There is none. I do not recommend this cereal. Don't buy it. Unless, of course, they sponsor us, in which case we this love is the it. best cereal ever. We love it. But in the meantime, no, we are not eating Special K's chocolate strawberry cereal. Perhaps we could take certain products and figure out new uses for them. Um, you mentioned it was sandpaper. Sure, yeah. Oh, we could Maybe probably, there's some woodworking yeah, in its yeah. future. I, it Definitely. At the very least, if you have no taste buds, you're you're already there with this cereal. So you're, when I have a really bad cold or something, you can eat that. Yeah. I, it's that and broccoli. I can get all my greens <laughs> in, all in, get just, all my fiber in. I, you know, I bought it thinking, you know, all the different tastes listed on that box, something was going to be good. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> That's very disappointing to me. What a shame. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I guess I should have just stuck with cocoa puffs. You know, something that you have consistently relied on for years. You know, it's going to be there. You know, that's going to be a good experience. Yeah, but no, don't do the special K strawberry. Did I tell you once that that was my unofficial hip hop nickname? Was special K? Special K. Hey, it that seems was, to fit you. Back in the day, it was decided. Yeah, that that was supposed to be my hip hop nickname, and. I didn't like it because it sounded like, and again, no offense to people who, you know, with special needs, but that was what I was associating the Special K with. Well, you don't choose your nickname. No. It chooses you. <laughs> but it is fitting that I mentioned my hip-hop nickname of Special K because today's guest is a hip-hop artist himself. That's right. This is a guy named Wrench. He is from a group named Gangsta Grass. If you're not familiar with them, you should get familiar with them because they're an awesome group. I've got three of their albums. They've got a lot of stuff available online. Uh, if you go to my Twitter feed, Get Off My Lawn Pod, I will link to lots of that fun stuff for you. I already have, actually, because it's it's uh, some good music. I really, really dig it. It's good for just, it's great for driving. I just did a road trip. You just did a road trip. I, I had Gangsta Grass cranking as I was driving through Iowa. Nice. So we're going to listen to Wrench. He's going to talk a lot about the state of the music business, how he's been able to collaborate with people, and let's listen to that now.
Joining me via Skype today is a man who has been nominated for an Emmy for the song Hard Times to Come, better known as the theme to the hit series Justified on FX, which was one of my favorite shows in recent years. From Gangster Grass, here is Wrench. Thanks for chatting with me today. What's happening? I think we have all the tech issues worked out, which is a lovely change of pace. <laughs> Okay. Right. Hey, you guys are getting up and running. There's always some kinks to work out. When we when we get booked to play at a festival that it's the first year of the festival, I usually expect several things to burn down <laughs> while we're there. Well, again, I appreciate you uh, giving me a second chance at this here. You should send me a transcript of the other one so I can just try to read. Uh... <laughs> Hopefully, we'll be a little more original this time around. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's just take it from the top here. I suspect most know uh, most know of you from Justified, from the theme to Justified. Tell me about how that came to be. Uh, it was pretty amazing. I got a call out of the blue one day, as I was minding my own business, uh, from some folks at the FX Promotions Department, who had been tasked with creating a commercial for this new show called Justified that was coming out, and they knew the show was about a a uh, a marshal in Kentucky, so it was kind of uh, Appalachian, but uh, kind of you know badass and modern. And I think they actually just Googled bluegrass hip hop, and and gangster ass comes out at the top of that. So <laughs> uh, they found it. They thought it uh, was a good match for something to put in a commercial for Justified. Uh, so I licensed a track to them that I'd done. And when the producers of the show saw this commercial. With a Gangster Grass track in it, they said, that's what we need for a theme song. So I got another call out of the blue saying, hey, uh, do something new, but just like that uh, for our theme song. So uh, I, I did that up. So it just, it just uh, fell in my lap, basically, from having the Gangster Grass stuff out there that I had already and uh, then wanting to use that style. And you've got a couple of Gangster Grass albums out. I think the first thing that came out was actually a free, almost a mixtape that you uploaded to have people listen yeah, to. That, that's what they found, which was uh, my my original experiment with Gangster Grass, which was to, to sort of scratch a musical itch I had had. I was doing my own stuff as Wrench and with uh, more of a focus on honky-tonk hip-hop, uh, doing honky-tonk songs with beats and scratching and stuff. But I was also working with... Uh, rappers to produce beats and stuff they generally did not want country sounds on their stuff but <laughs> i can do beats and record stuff in my studio and so what i did was i uh went through my bluegrass record collection and sampled the hell out of a whole bunch of stuff and put beats to it and used the uh used the vocals from uh hip-hop albums that i had produced at my studio with the rappers and i i called them all up and i said hey um I'm just doing this project for fun. Can I put your vocals over some bluegrass stuff? And they said, sure, Wrench, you know, do, do what you want to do. They had no idea what bluegrass <laughs> is. Um, so I did that as, in a way, it was sort of more of a mashup. And I put those up online for free. And they just got incredible word of mouth and got blogged about and spread around and got hundreds of thousands of downloads. So that's what put Gangsta Grass at the top of the search results when you went to uh, bluegrass hip hop. And when... When I saw that huge response to it that kind of you know, was bigger than the response to, to the other stuff that I'd been doing, I said, i got to put a band together and make this a, 
make this an actual thing that we do originally. Taking it from there, a lot of your work, particularly with Gangsta Grass, seems to be collaborative in nature. Is that something you prefer to solo efforts, or is there a preference there? I do enjoy it. It's really awesome to bring these musicians in and, and see how they collaborate and come up with stuff. Um, but I am also sort of a, a, a definite... Uh, definite sit-and-do-it-all-yourself kind of person by instinct. Uh, so what I do is I, I kind of get the best of both worlds. Is I bring in these bluegrass pickers, and I get contributions from them, and I, I bring in the MCs and get their verses, and then I, and then I send them all away. <laughs> and I, and I uh, take it from there in my studio and sort of um, you know, spend countless hours just uh, tinkering and tweaking and making it sound the way I want to sound. So, in a way, it's both. I get the I get the initial collaboration um, with them, and then I do my producer thing by by really um, just doing it on you know on my own to to really produce the final product. Is there an ease in getting hip hop people to collaborate with you, or is the is it easier to get somebody from say the world of bluegrass to work with you? Uh, they've both been pretty easy once you find somebody that's into it, and that's the thing. On either side is finding those musicians that are excited by the idea of crossing boundaries and coming up with this new stuff, and they're they're out there on either side, and uh, it's it's quite fun when we're on the road and we're playing shows, and and uh, there might be some MCs in town or something that come to the show, and and we bring people up on stage with us spontaneously, and get some rappers that we've never met before jump up and and do some verses with us, and usually after that they're like. Oh man, I got to work with you guys. That was great. It's so cool, you know. So um, I think it's it's pretty easy now that we've got the ball rolling to to show people what we can do and have them, um, you know, see that it'd be pretty cool to be a part of it. Um, so it's it's uh, it's all good getting them together. Um, it's just a matter of uh, finding those people that want to do this kind of thing. You've talked about your live shows before they're they're a unique experience for people a little different than what you see on the album yeah absolutely the live shows are just a whole other ball of wax so um you may like what you hear on the cd and that's great if you come and see us live you're not going to hear exactly what's on the cd you're going to hear all kinds of you know spontaneous diversions and uh you know different ways that we take things and so it's just a it's a different thing to to hear it, how it's been constructed in the studio, as opposed to see uh, an MC on the mic and a banjo player getting down together and have the have the banjo player take a solo and then kick it over and have the MC start freestyling, you know, and, and do that sort of stuff. And that's where a lot of people that are even already Gangsta Grass fans come to the, to our shows and just their jaws drop when they see how far we can take it live into a, into a more spontaneous thing and have a whole different energy with it. And that's something that we really take advantage of is that bluegrass and hip-hop both have really strong improvisational elements to them where, uh, you know, bluegrass and hip-hop both come out of um, being music where people just sort of meet in public spaces and, and play off of each other and have a sort of shared repertoire where they know how to just, you know, gather around and, and pass around, um, you know, solos or different ways to, to do the music. And we just had to discover that we had different vocabulary for the same thing. So in bluegrass, people sitting around in a circle, um, you know, taking solos one by one um, over, a, over a song that they all know and passing it back and forth is called a pick. And in hip-hop, 
a bunch of folks standing around um, doing verses and passing it back and forth and freestyling and, and playing off of each other is called a cipher. But it's, it's very much the same thing. So when we realize stuff like that, it really connects, and, and then we can just start doing it all together as a group where the, the MCs can jump on something and throw a verse down, and they know that they can you know, point to the dobra player and say, take it, and the dobra player can jump in and, and solo through one time on the progression, and they understand that, you know, that the song can be done spontaneously like that and don't have to be stuck with you know, a very specific structure. I got I to gotta get you over here. We need to book you some West Coast gigs so I can hear this live Absolutely. show. <laughs> we are working on it as you speak. Well, let me know. We'll be sure and promote it when that happens. Another thing I want to promote is your newest album. It debuted on number five on the Bluegrass charts. Yep, Billboard Bluegrass charts. Uh, we hit number five, which was pretty exciting. The album's called American Music, and uh, people are definitely liking it. It's got some great stuff on it, including one song that features 14 different rappers on it. Wow, how do you bring something like that together? Well, I, you know, different songs on the Gangsta Grass albums have different rappers, so every time I was having somebody um, you know, come and do one of the songs, I would also have them do uh, eight bars um, to go with this, this other song. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily all done in the same room at the same place, but uh, but I did get uh, you know everybody to kind of pitch into it, and and I think they had a good time. There were there were some sessions where they got to see uh, some of the other rappers on it um, doing their thing, and it was it was pretty fun. It, it came out very cool. Cool. One of the tracks on the album, you've got a video that's been out online for a while now called "Banks of the Ohio." It's a little different take on a traditional song. That's actually a song from our previous album. Um, it's an album called Broken Hearts and Stolen Money. And I did Banks of the Ohio because I wanted to include uh, something from a subgenre of traditional music called murder ballads. Um, but in, in this case, um, where, where murder ballads are usually about a guy uh, killing a girl and doing all kinds of terrible things, um, I decided to, to switch the genders on it and have a, have a woman sing it, but with mostly the same lyrics. So it's just... Uh, switched around and that was that was good fun but the video is only coming out for it now because uh, we had I had a very specific vision uh, which was to sort of animate this in an, in an old-timey style and we found a great animator Robin Steele who actually did the whole thing himself just single-handedly you know instead of had a lot of animation you have to have a, a big team or send it off to, to get done by a bunch of people but he actually did all the animation himself to, to create this very specific style um, with a lot of cool things in it. You should definitely check it out. Uh, it got debuted on uh, NPR.org, and uh, a lot of people really uh, had really uh, positive reactions to uh, seeing what we did with that. Yeah, it's got a stylized look to it, and as you said, you know, kind of swapping the gender roles of that song makes it much more compelling in a way. Yeah. And speaking of murder ballads, uh, you know, for the most part, we get really positive reaction from people uh, that are into bluegrass or into hip hop or into country music and that kind of stuff. But bluegrass music does have its purists. <coughs> and it has some old folks who, uh, you know, think that bluegrass is this pure thing and don't want anybody to mess with it. Uh, as you may or may not know that, you know, bluegrass is seen as traditionally being uh, done by specific instruments, uh, banjo, mandolin, acoustic bass, uh, guitar, maybe dobro. And as to be traditional bluegrass, you're generally considered to not have any drums. 
So for me to bring in hip-hop beats and rappers is like a, a crime against nature for some people. But one of the comments that I enjoy the most um, from people that are having trouble uh, with Gangsta Grass is people who sometimes uh, say, well, you know, rapping on bluegrass is, is really doing something bad because if you add rap, that makes it too violent. And I, uh, you know, <laughs> they don't know the history well enough. Yeah, I'm going to give them a little history lesson <laughs> and show them, uh, you know, these murder ballads that, uh, you know, are, are actually popular traditional songs from the tradition, uh, including Banks of the Ohio. And there was a tour not too long ago. We're all sitting in the van together a lot. So I make these, uh, you know, I make compilation CDs to bring in and put on the stereo. And I included one murder ballad called Knoxville Girl. And it started playing in the van, and as the verses went on, uh, it was mainly actually the rappers that were with us whose mouths opened and were saying, oh my God, <laughs> this is all, this is violent. So, uh, you know, it, it, it shocked them as much as anybody um, just how, how violent some of these old songs are, you know, talking about, the, you know, the girl, you, you're with the girl by the river, and, you, you know, you stab her and you drag her around by the hair until the blood is all over the ground, and then you dump her in the river and you watch the body float away and all that kind of stuff. Um, that really, you know, if you want, if you're if you're worried about violence in music, don't listen to traditional, uh, you know, <laughs> traditional folk and, and bluegrass music because you're going to get it. Well, as you stated, there's there's a history lesson that's almost needed. It reminds me of when really rap started to kind of come into its own, and a lot of people question the violence that was found and you know all the all the references to guns and violence with women and whatever and it's it's nothing new in the world of music it's been going on for centuries really absolutely it's storytelling yeah and it and there's like you said there's there's different genres of it but you you know you've managed to put the two together which is what i find most interesting is I don't know if you were the first to really combine the bluegrass and hip hop but you're certainly the first to make it work in a successful venture and which do you think is an audience that takes to it quicker? Is there a difference? Like, do the bluegrass people take to the hip-hop, or do the hip-hop people take to the bluegrass more easily? It's actually hard for me to say, because what I see out there when we go out and play and, and from interacting with fans online and stuff is so many people that you wouldn't necessarily identify as one or the other, because there's a lot of people out there with eclectic tastes already who are really just they're music fans. They're, they're fans of what's good. You know, like if if you really had to de define what genre they like, it's the good stuff <laughs> from whatever whatever kind of music it is. Um, so that's something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily see like we do because uh, you know we're out there meeting these fans. But if you're just paying attention to to the radio and the magazines and the charts and all that kind of stuff, the, the way the media and the industry has it set up, you have separate charts separate magazines, separate radio stations, separate, you know, everything for these different genres, and it makes it feel like there's really separate audiences. Um, but the truth is, there's huge overlap in audiences out there, and there's a lot of people with Johnny Cash and Jay-Z on their iPod on Shuffle that you wouldn't necessarily imagine, you know, based on the way you see things portrayed in the media. Yeah, the radio stations out in Los Angeles, I'm, I'm sure it's similar in New York, have become very, I guess, milk toast. I even want to describe it, just very bland in terms of they'll have the same 20 songs on, you know, 
every station and it's repeated right. over and over again and as you said there really is no genre overlap you know you can listen to a classic rock station or you can listen to a hip-hop station but you're not going to find any joining of the two mm-hmm. and that t- to me it's a frustrating thing and I, that's why you know one of the reasons i like talking with you is that you kind of understand that and you've you know pushed pushed a lot of boundaries one of the boundaries your music really crosses over is racial and ethnic boundaries i mean it's it's not a black and white form of music that you're listening to here literally and figuratively you've really you know crossed over and you deserve some credit for that well thank you it is it is certainly uh, an exciting part of this is to um you know look at it as a representation of how um america doesn't necessarily need to be as divided as people see it as being that we can still party together that hip-hop and country do have common ground that you can find, and and we see that when we go out and play shows, and we see that in the audience, and I see it online all the time, that, that uh, you know, people from very different perspectives, from very different places, um, who can all appreciate this and, and uh, you know, like to dance to the same beat, and so I think it's, and it's a very positive message that we can send out um, and just represent by being who we are, by being um, being, you know, different people, being rappers, being country music players who work together and show people that we can, um, which is great. Um, but I do want to, uh, you know, uh, put one thing out there for the record that, um, you know, I, I am bringing together these different kinds of music and, and black and white musicians and stuff. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, American music, so much of it is really black music and gets appropriated. Um, so, you know, even country music, um, was, was very much at the start, um, brought about by, um, the first country musicians being influenced by blues, by gospel and, and stuff like that, that they learned from black music. And so it's all, it all mixes together and, and, and crosses lines there. Um, and so it's not so much that America has these very separate genres as much as it is. American music is all about um, taking things and recombining things, and, and that is the history of American music, is, is looking at the existing genres and, and bringing together new influences to create new sounds. That's one of the things I like most about music, is that it does evolve with the times, but it also seems to always have some sort of connection to the past. We interrupt this program to bring you our lack of sponsorship again. Back in my college days, Craig, you remember I worked at a TV station in college? Yes. It was a college TV station, so much like a podcast, we had no sponsors and no budget and very little of anything, really. Typical story. Right. And so when we needed commercial breaks for whatever reason, usually just because we had to change tape back in the days of tape, we had public service announcements. Excellent. So I'm thinking what we need is public service announcement, and I think you have the voice to do the most famous public service character of all, and that would, of course, be Smokey Bear. <laughs> okay. Do you think you can do Smokey Bear? I don't know, man. You don't know? It's got to be a deep, resonating voice blaming me for all forest fires. I mean, a cute, I don't think it's very accusatory. Have you noticed that about Smokey Bear? He is to the point, he for sure. He seems to think that I need to be out there, you know, with a fire extinguisher and something. At all. But let's hear Smokey Bear tell us. Only you can prevent forest fires. Me? You. Are you talking the rhetorical general me or or me? Not general salute you. No, I'm talking about you. I, I, Kevin, must go and prevent forest fires? That's right. But I, I I live in a desert. Can I prevent desert fires? 
Well, you are also a ginger, so there's an expectation that you can light things on fire spontaneously. This is a bear that is ginger bashing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, Smokey, well, thank you for that PSA, and we now go back to our program already in progress. There we go. <laughs> Another form of delivery distribution would be sort of the streaming services that so many people use right now, whether it's Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, have you had any success with those in terms of either finding an audience or growing your audience? Well, we make sure to be there. Right now, you know, we are independent artists. I'm, I'm doing this all, you know, without a label, without, uh, you know, any kind of industry support. So for me, the struggle right now is exposure. And so... The game is to be in as many formats as possible and uh, and be as available as you can for people to discover you. Uh, we do get a lot of streams on uh, on Spotify and Pandora, so I'm sure a lot of people are discovering us. I hear from people that creating a gangster grass radio station on on Pandora brings up some very interesting stuff. <laughs> uh, so uh, I definitely appreciate that, and I do have my fingers crossed for the future that. Uh, streaming services can work out a, a way to uh, pay a better rate to artists for the streams. Definitely, um, but uh, it's certainly a place that I need to be right now, so that uh, so that people can find Gangster Grass wherever they're at. And you see, as an independent artist, I see you on various forms of social media. You seem to be handling the bulk of the promotion work almost on your own. Tell me about what it's like and how much time you devote to that each day. Uh, it's it's just a, a little bit here and there each day to just make sure I'm I'm seeing what fans are saying and, and responding and uh, and posting about what we're we're trying to do, uh, and then a little more uh, time maybe at the end of each day to to, to look at uh, the schedule of what we're trying to communicate to people, but uh, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting challenge right now trying to to as an independent artist to really get out there and be exposed to fans and communicate with your fan base. Um, you know, Facebook is is a huge platform, but it's it's really limited how much you can really reach your fans there. It, once you have a, a, a page for your band on Facebook and people start liking it, you can post something, but Facebook is only gonna uh, put it on the on the feeds of ten or fifteen percent of your the people who liked your band. So you know anything you put out on there is actually not reaching most of the people that that liked it. And uh, a really good open rate for an email is about thirty percent because people you know they might have spam filters, they might have changed email addresses, they might just uh, you know not see it. Uh, who knows? And Twitter feeds, you know, you got to post on Twitter all the time because. If somebody isn't doesn't happen to check, you know their their feed on Twitter in the last however long it's been, you know they you, you don't go you don't go through scrolling through your Twitter feed just to find out everything you've missed, you know you just look at the latest uh, handful that have come in. So uh, it's it's a real challenge right now to figure out how do if we have something that we want to say to fans, how do we actually how do we actually get it in front of all of them? Um, and we're still figuring that out. Well, thank you know, part, part, part of that, I suppose, would be why you agreed to do this podcast. So again, I thank you for that. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I appreciate people wanting to do interviews, man, because it's, it, it's, 
it's really great to have people appreciate what we're doing and want to talk about it and want to give it more exposure. So uh, big props to you for having me on. Well, I know as I've listed sort of who, who I've got so far on the show and who I've been interviewing, you know, yours, your name seems to have drawn the most interest by people because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a form of music or a style of music that is unique. And it's one of the things we want to spotlight on this podcast is some of the some of the more creative people that don't get the recognition that I think they deserve. So it's like, you know, the nice thing about you as an independent artist is you can kind of choose where to go and who to work with. And the nice thing about me as an independent podcaster is the same. You know, if I see someone or something, you know, good, I try to spotlight it. So that's that's why I had you on the show. <laughs> That's right, man. Freedom. That's it. That's oh, what we want. <laughs> but I want to thank you uh, for taking the time, not just once but twice, to talk with me here. If you put Gangsta Grass on the internet, you'll find us on wherever you want to, or gangstagrass.com, and uh, just keep an eye on our tour dates to see if we're coming near you. Make sure you sign up on our email list, and, and we'll let you know when we're coming by, that kind of stuff. And we're actually right in the middle of, of uh, something I'm trying to let all the fans know about, which is it's... Uh, you can actually be part of our next video. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about where that. We're, we're selling each measure of the song in the video where you can actually buy that measure and tell us what to do in the video uh, for that measure. And we're going to do them all in one take. So uh, the six of us are going to be there and go through uh, you know, each measure of the song performing uh, you know, whatever commands come through from people that, that sponsor each measure. And, uh, and they'll get their, their name and what they told us to do on the screen there during the measure, um, which is going to be very good fun. And I can't wait to see how it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that premise on your website. I was like, that's way too creative. Now you're just going overboard. 50 bucks and you get your, your name and whatever you want us to do in the video. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. You'll be part of video history. Last question I want to ask, and I have a feeling you answer it differently every time, but where did the name Wrench come from? Oh, yes. Well, the, uh, you know, I, uh, ever since I was born, every time I, I show up and, and start uh, mixing genres and doing all kinds of weird things, uh, people say, boy, he keeps throwing a wrench in the works here. <laughs> and so uh, I just, that word seemed to follow me wherever I go, and I figured I might as well take it on. This is true enough. I, yeah, I, I said to somebody else uh, the other day that you sound like you'd make a good henchman in a Bond movie. You know, get wrench, he'll take care of it. Uh, yes. Yes. And, and I will too I will well again I thank you for taking the time here uh, anything else you want to say in closing or are we good yes, I, I appreciate the chance to talk to you about this stuff it's, uh, it's very fun and uh, looking forward to the podcast coming out and uh, keep rocking well thank you very much sir thank you for taking the time you have a great afternoon you too alright bye now It's time once again for our shameless pandering to hipsters and audiophiles alike. Here's Kevin with today's Vinyl Fetish. Thank you, Greg. It is time for our Vinyl Fetish for this week. This week, the person telling us about his Vinyl Fetish is actually the first guest we had on the podcast, Mr. Bill Sheft. I got an email from someone saying, hey, you do this Vinyl Fetish thing. Bill was the first guest. When are we going to hear his Vinyl Fetish? Did you ask about his Vinyl Fetish? The answer to both of those questions is, you're going to hear it now. And yes, I did, in that order. So here's Bill giving us some of his album suggestions, recommendations, and insight. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, in terms of rare and valuable, uh, my brother Tom was in a band called The Rising Storm, which, were, which was the inspiration for my novel Time Won't Let Me. And their, their album is called Calm Before, C 
C-A-L-M before. It came out in 1967. It's been reissued. And when you listen to it, remember, these are 18-year-old kids from prep school that made this album. So that's kind of astonishing. And you understand why, why it's as valuable an album as it is. Uh, so uh, I recommend that. Uh, for all my garage and British Invasion loves, uh, one of my favorite bands is Tower of Power. I think their oh, second yeah. album, or no, excuse me, their fourth album, Back to Oakland, is lovely, is really well done. And and um, to give to to give you an idea of <laughs> of my collection, the most uh, recent I don't even know if this ever came out on vinyl, but the most recent album I have is the first Hootie and the Blowfish album, Crack Rearview, and I think that in terms of concept and delivery, that's as well thought out an album as as you can do out of the box. So I don't know if that's on vinyl. And uh, I know the Truants are coming out with an EP in about a month, and that'll be on vinyl. Nice. But, um, and, and also my friend John Rajavi, who plays lead guitar with us, he's in a band called The Weaklings, which is a Beatle-inspired band. Their first vinyl album came out, The Weaklings, and that's available on Amazon. And you'll see uh, they play some obscure Beatles stuff, and they play some original stuff that sounds like obscure Beatles stuff. <laughs> Very satisfying. So is that enough for you? That is that is a great answer. I like that. You you <laughs> it, it's interesting the number of people that I've asked that question to both on and off a microphone. They all seem to have an opinion on what's going on in the world of music right now, which is nice to hear. I agree. But you know, look, you know everybody that's the thing about art is that is that uh, whatever is faddish or popular or incredibly popular eventually um gets to its appropriate level, eventually. Sure. Um, and that's the good thing about art, is people can be very breathless about stuff, and then, you know, 10 years later, it's forgotten, and then 20 years later, people think, hey, you know what, that Taylor Swift, she had a pretty good voice. Um, you know, I don't like all the nonsense, but <laughs> she had a pretty good voice, so... And I think the same can be said about, you know, I look at when Letterman left the airwaves versus when Jay left the airwaves, and you talk about memorable moments and things that happened, and boy, there's just a lot more of Letterman's legacy, I think, that we're seeing than of Jay's legacy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I, I think that look, I think that, I think that Dave created a genre, and I think Jay inherited it. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And, um, you know, it's, it's, are you going to start your own business or are you going to, you know, have dad set you up in a business? Sure. And I think that that's what the Tonight Show was. It was real estate, you know. And I think that, I think that that's why Jay, even though I think he'd love to do a show, I don't think Jay would ever go anywhere else because I don't think he'd bring viewers. I just don't. I think that he was in... Look, it's not, you know, in some cases, it's the song, and in some cases, it's the singer, you know, and it, it's just like Katie Couric. I mean, Katie Couric um, was 
popular, but was it Katie Kirk or was it the Today Show? And you saw when she went out on her own, and, and was it Jay or was it the Tonight Show? So, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it, is it Will Ferrell or is it Saturday Night Live? Right. And, you know, you have to think about what is it, the, you know, like I said, is it the singer or is it the song? Well, in some cases, and in yours, it's the lyricist. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has contributed so far to the podcast. And again, that includes the guests like Bill Sheft, who you just heard, Wrench from Gangstergrass, who performed Yeoman's Duty, actually allowing me to interview him twice, not just once, but twice, because I screwed up the audio the first time around. I would also like to thank Cantor's Deli for allowing me to interview Vic. I would like to thank Bob Perlow for taking the time to talk to me. And just everybody for listening, uh, for sending in emails of support, for subscribing to the podcast, for sharing the podcast on social media. This is something that I've always wanted to do, and this is something that I'm now getting to do, and the people I named and thanked, they're responsible for allowing me to do that. So thanks to everybody, and uh, next week, cool guest, Alana Miles. Check her out. Awesome recording artist, Grammy Award-winning recording artist, so it should be a good interview. Stay tuned for that. Thank you very much, and until next time, get off my lawn. This has been the Get Off My Lawn Podcast, brought to you by Nobody Yet. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Get Off My Lawn Pod. Check out our SoundCloud at Get Off My Lawn Podcast, or subscribe to us on iTunes for the latest episodes questions or comments to suggest a guest or to offer us fat wads of cash in exchange for promotional consideration our email address is getoffmylawnpod at gmail.com the theme was composed and performed by brian weideman check out his music at www.worldbride.com that's w-o-r-l-d-b-r-i.com the logo was designed by julie Contreras at urban bird design go to urbanbirddesign.com to learn more Thanks for listening. Tell a friend.